Alright, we're back after... Well, nope, we're just back. Got a couple new guests on the podcast today. So go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. Go ahead, Hairface, you first. Yo, I'm Aaron Harris. Harry Harris from South Central Montana, where I grew up my whole life. And moved up here five years ago and guided with the past outfitters up here and with Josh and Morgan now, and it's going great. He only says that because he's in front of us. But go <laughs> ahead, Trombley. <laughs> Uh, I'm Logan Trombley. I'm from Central Vermont. The Yank. <laughs> I came out last year, uh, 2021 or 22. It would have been. Did a hunt, got a bull. They offered me a job, so I've been back out doing the apprentice deal, and I will start guiding in a week or two here during rifle. Stromboli's dad um, owns a charter system. A little backstory on him. They've did outfitting clientele-based stuff. Pretty much, that's all he's ever known. What? How many? How many trips your dad do a year? You think? 150 probably and that's by himself i'm helping him as many days as i can he's still going jeez there's a lot of time in there to do more trips i think if you're listening to this mr (laughs) he definitely agreed that (laughs) yeah you might want to slow down bud (laughs) so aaron where you grew up these elk we always talk about the differences in elk we're just going to dive right in it Mm -hmm. um that we have Rocky Mountain and Roosevelt Cross elk here. Mm-hmm. And where you grew up, they're just straight Rockies, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to go over straight like up. straight <clears throat> big time difference in hunting. Yep. Is it night and day? Yep. And then we both got it in Colorado. So we've hunted and we've hunted quite a bit of other states. Southeastern Montana where you can see and get on them. And oh, the easy elk. They're easy, but they're not. <laughs> yeah. But you can see them. We always talk about what differences these elk eat, and it makes it so much different to hunt because the elk in our country are just brow. They do a ton of browsing. Mm-hmm. They're like daggum deer. And then over where you grew up, you'd say they're more like cattle. Yep. Like out in meadows. Hit meadows. So most of the glassing stuff. I mean, go over how you would just get after one rifle hunting. So back home in south central Montana... It's about six hours from here, yep. southeast. You go and walk through the woods, find some meadows, sit on meadows, whether it's snow. This is rifle season, not archery, but snow or what. You get to meadows, glass and meadows. Mornings, evenings, they're going to come out. Yep, they got to come out and graze. Yep. A lot of grazing. Yep. Here, Up here. Negative. They're staying in the woods. Yep. Unless they get a ton of snow to push them out so, to find feed. So Aaron and I, we both moved here. So, I mean, you do lack inferior of someone that's grown up here hunting constantly and knowing what the elk eat. So I think you have to get after it pretty good. You have to outsource knowledge from somewhere. Yep. And I know you got an old timer you go talk to. What's your what's the old timer's name? We we need to get him on here. Mark Kaiser. Yeah. You said he had an outfitter number low, right? Yeah, way down. Yeah, he ain't he hasn't guided in probably ten, fifteen years. Yeah. He's number like eight or ten up here. Everybody likes to claim that their elk numbers aren't here. According to the biologist the study last week, they come out and they did a they did a um collared study. The elk numbers haven't changed, so they say. Clear uh-huh. back to about the time these old timers would have been hunting in their prime. I don't. Fifteen twenty years ago. I don't know if I exactly for one hundred percent believe that, but 
that's what their numbers say. Mm-hmm. So we can't we can't use the excuse anymore that the elk just aren't here because no, that, they're here. They're here. You just we, gotta find them. We always joke around that we always say this country's a bunch of softies hardly anymore because these old timers talk about doing hunts that there ain't no way I might do one a week like that. Yeah, no, hiking back in seven, eight, ten miles, and then one way hunting your way back out. Mm-hmm. It's just different ball yep. game. Totally different world. Not to brag, and there's no other guides here to defend themselves, but my main main hair face and I were the only ones to get pictures of dead bulls this year. Yeah, it worked, man. Yeah, not patting ourselves on the back or nothing, what but you help, guys need what to the try help harder. With Logan and so Aaron guided for Ron and Don, who were repeat clients. They were waiting two or three years to come back out before the outfitter preference point came out. It was a little bit harder to draw a tag. They came out the second week of archery. Tell your story about how you met them and the very first time they came out. Well, that's going to be a big story. Oh, yeah, because you had your hands full because you not only had them, like, wanting to hunt with you, but you guys killed a bull the last time, and a good one. With lots of arrows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was that bull? Was uh, six. I think it was six by seven or six by six. Yeah, just a raghorn. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it was what probably three thirties. Yeah, three twenty, three thirties. Yeah, good bull. So, I'll tell that story. So, four years ago, I meet these guys, Ron and Don, freaking hilarious, make you laugh your butt off, make hunting a breeze, laughing every hour, right? third day get back in there we hear these two bulls up on this ridge get in there i'm like well they're gonna bet up on that hillside let's just hike in and see what happens we've got a mile to go let's just let them bet up and get in there so we didn't say a word bugled figured out where they're at hiked in there get right underneath them cow call (laughs) just going nuts i'm like Holy crap, dude, he's right there. So I set Don to the right, set Don, Ron to the left. Never forget it. Most memorable hunt of my life. Call this stinking elk, and here he comes, just <laughs> the whole way in. I'm like, holy crap, dude, he's right there. I run back behind him, probably 100 yards, start cow calling. He comes right in between both of them. Ron sticks him. Don sticks him. He jumps down into a hole. I'm like, what the heck? Why aren't they shooting him? <laughs> He's standing there. Shoot him again. <laughs> All of a sudden, Ron hits him again, runs down like 100 yards, tips over. We give him an hour, walk down there, freaking out. Awesome time. Pack the sucker out. Put in again. They come back. We get back in there, do another spot. He calls. I call. I set him up. Same thing. Ron up right dawn down left and ron's like man i should have went left <laughs> after dawn hits him again well didn't you give one of them the choice every time yeah i walk up to him I'm like do you want to go left or do you want to go right and dawn dawn you know he always liked to find the better spot so he always goes <laughs> left because you can see better <laughs> <laughs> so ron goes up high it's like i knew i should have went left man at least so, they argue like old women. Oh, yeah. They're just like stinking women, man. Nonstop. All day. Laughing all day, every day. Freaking greatest guys ever. Now, four years ago, Dawn is the one that actually tagged the bull. Yep. 
and this year he is the one that tagged the bull again. Yeah, so I asked, so four years ago I asked Ron and Don. Ron hits it, Don hits it first. And then I asked Ron when we get down there and Don, well, who's taking it? And Ron looks at Don and says, well, you hit it first. So he tagged it. <laughs> Would the shot have been more? Well, it was good, but okay. Ron finished it off. Yeah, he, he did the killer shot. So Ron's the finisher. Yeah, he's yeah. the finisher. Yeah. But there that hit it first was the tagger. Characters. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. And I can't keep their names. I know, it's hard. I'm always calling them Don, Ron, Ron, Don, Don. Don Juan. Yeah. <laughs> so we get back in there. I set him up, same thing. I'm like, right or left? He's like, I'm going right. Okay, Don went left. Always best spot, best opening. Clearly. Just like he always does. <laughs> Start cow calling, bugling, cow calling, bugling, cow call, bugle, nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm like, oh my gosh, man. I know they're in here yesterday. They were screaming their heads off. So I sit there and chill for about 10, 15 minutes, give another cow call. I'm starting to hear clang, blank, clang, 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 clang. I'm like, no freaking way. Here he comes. Didn't even say a word, didn't bugle. He didn't do it, not a peep. Just come running right in. You could hear his antlers hitting off the brush. Yeah, that and his feet just playing in the launch poles. Yep. Yeah. Here you come. I'm like, holy crap, no freaking way. And I've never seen a hunt with my binoculars and seen the whole thing in this country because it's so thick. But I could watch through my binoculars. I seen him. He stood there for probably almost five minutes, just stood there looking right towards me. And I'm like, what the heck's he doing? So I let out a bugle. Just a little... And bam, on a dime, dead run, loping. I'm like, holy crap, he's going to run over top of Don again, like four years ago. And then kathwop, and that sucker took off like a freaking freight train, clanging, banging through the brush and stopped probably 100 yards away. And I'm like, holy crap, this ain't happening. It happened so fast, you guys wouldn't believe it. So I'm sitting there watching him through the timber and he walks down really slow and he starts limping and going downhill probably 100 yards and then he turns left but I can watch the whole thing for probably 30 minutes and I'm like dang this thing's gonna die and I walked up to Don and he told me the story where he hit him and and went from there gave him I don't know probably hour hour and a half started tracking didn't find him not that day (laughs) So, yeah, we hit him, right? Yeah. Probably 30 minutes after he hit him, I'm like, dude, you freaking clammed him, huh? He's like, yeah, man. I'm like, where'd you hit him? He's like, he was kind of quarter and two to the right a little bit. He's like, I put it right behind the shoulder. I'm like, how far did the arrow go? He's like, there's four inches, five inches sticking out. I'm like, awesome. Gave him an hour and a half. They started following the trail, and they're like, yep, we got on blood. And then I told him right there, he went left. So we get on him, follow him for probably half a mile good blood decent blood some drips kind of seen where he kind of laid down for a minute and i'm like just give him time dude so we sat for another probably hour and a half to two hours ate lunch like let's keep getting after it blood's drying up in the leaves and it's hard to see yep we gave him three hours now so we get on the tracks again start you know blood trailing him drops here there here there and then basically blood almost stopped and I'm like dude this ain't good at all 
So we start just tracking him, basically looking for the stinking foot tracks and the sneaking pine needles and dirt. Yep. And I'm like, dude, we get so far. We thought we heard him walking through the brush. I'm like, we're pushing him. Let's just back out, man. So we sat again for another hour and a half, almost two. Got on it again. Drop, drop, drop. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So then we're just tracking him like a freaking hound dog. But the thing that I have never seen ever tracking a bull elk that you hit is this thing stayed on the same elevation all the way around this mountain and never dropped 20 yards or went up 20 yards. He dropped five yards and stay in the same elevation the whole way. You guys had your own extra trackers on mm-hmm. and stuff like that so you can overlay all. Yep. And then basically it came to a point where we lost, I mean, I was on my hands and knees and I'm like, dude, we cannot keep pushing him. I know he's right there. Back out right now. Best can I jump do. this thing again? You and the Packers can come back tomorrow if you're going to find the sucker, but we're not pushing him. This is one thing that we, we do here at Waypoint is whenever we start to drop for blood or start to look, I have every single person that's present turn on their tracker on their onyx. If the bull's not recovered, we go back through and we send all those track lines to one person. Then the next day, all those track lines will be overlaid over top of each other and you can almost guarantee what ground that you've covered good and what ground you haven't and that's good tip tactic to put in your back pocket it's the easiest way to check it off Mm -hmm. basically the rare occasion we had an apprentice logan and we also had devin here who was just scouting for rifle season so they were both able to help track the next day uh yeah we went back in the same draw that they'd shot the bull in the day before and Don had showed us on his onyx where they'd left the afternoon before and gave us the general direction he was headed into. And there was two creeks that came into one out of two ridges. It kind of made like a V. And I knew the bull wasn't going to be able to go up either of them off of what he'd done the day before and everything. So he was kind of, he was limiting himself on where he was going to go. We were in an old burn that was probably, I don't know, what, 10, 15 years yeah. old. It's that spruce lodgepole that's five to eight feet tall and you can't bend it out of the way it's just it's not movable but that's the stuff he'd been in and we'd found one little pencil drop of blood 200 yards from where they'd left him the day before so Devin went above me 20 yards Don went down and this is after we'd done three grids through there already and Devin was above me we thought we'd seen some spots where one had stumbled through there and then a minute and a half later Devin walked onto him laying in a hole we yelled to Don he came up through and rolled him over and seen where he'd hit him and he hit him I don't know if it was more liver than anything it got good penetration more than three quarters of the arrow was in him but it was definitely a little back but letting him sit was definitely the move for sure after a day and a half and exhausting everybody's legs looking for it Devin finally walks up on this thing and you said nonchalantly as can be he's like got him (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just yells and at I'm, him. And I'm like, what? Got him. I could hear him and Don high-five inside, and we got him. Everybody thought it was over, like you weren't finding the boy, I take it. Oh, uh, no. To be honest with you, we were – Don was pretty – He was positive, He man. was up about it. He was on the way in that morning. He, he was he was upbeat, and we're going to find him. We're going to find him. Same with the day we left him. He's And said, to be honest with you, the, the where the bull was going in, we all kind of thought we were going to come out of there with him because – 
just the where he was hitting yeah. everything, the terrain he was going into, he wasn't helping himself at He's all. He's firing a hole. Yeah. We just knew if we spent. And the nice thing was we were on top of it the next morning. We found the bull by 830. With that being said, finding him early, we were able to salvage a lot of meat off of him mm-hmm. that we wouldn't have been able to say we don't he go He died in. late. Yeah. He, he, he was not all that stiff. Mm-hmm. A lot of rigor mortis had not set in yet. His neck was still pretty loose. So he could have potentially laid there half the night and if you'd gone the day before you'd have bumped him mm-hmm. but we were able to salvage all that meat that we wouldn't have been able to if we'd have waited till noon one o'clock the following day you just got to use your judgment on time really with it get on it fast just go with what you think best and back yeah. out when you need to back out and get on it when you think you need to get on it definitely getting on the meat as quick mm-hmm. as possible and getting it off the animal and in meat bags and up and, and getting air through it is yep. the biggest thing yeah usually Anything that's touching the ground, because these animals hold so much heat in them, even shot in rifle season, if you think that animal is going to be good overnight, you're sadly mistaken. Mm-hmm. The only thing we lost off that bull was one hindquarter. The hindquarter that was touching the ground? Yes. We were able to salvage the shoulder, but it was he. He landed in a blowdown and kind of pushed a tree over, so there was actually some airflow underneath him in a way, because he landed on so much stuff. His whole body wasn't contacted, but his hind end was. Yep. So we were able to salvage everything but that. But. We got a little air. But it was definitely better to come out with three quarters of them than none of them. Mm-hmm. So some of the reasons that um, this story of this elk kill, like some of the highlights of it is, one, these two, Ron and Dawn, have been hunting together for how long, Aaron? Well, their whole lives. Their whole lives. Yeah, they went yeah. Yeah, high school together. They're, they're best friends. They've, mm-hmm. They're clients that really became family. I mean, they go and meet. They won't hunt together. The one don't come, they ain't going to come. Yeah, they come out. They have a great time. Um, they're repeat clients. They rebooked with the same guide that they know they hunt well together with, and they really hunt together as a team. They stay optimistic. They know that this is hunting. So just the success of that story alone what makes the time they have out here so much better. They had another opportunity at a really nice whitetail buck. Who shot the whitetail buck? Who, who drew blood? Don. Don. All right. First day. <laughs> As I told him, when he comes back out, dude, freaking Ron gets first shot on DRL. <laughs> yeah. He's a killer, that's for sure. They both are. Yeah, I freaking love them, man. Love them to death. They're like family. That's what makes it fun and enjoyable to hunt. All right, so the, the only other i don't want to say successful hunt but yeah, the only other terrible wording. the only other kill that was brought back to camp um was in the third week with brand new clients from wisconsin who easily became our friends after <laughs> one week with them they were also a rowdy crowd ryan's dad i don't think he would consider me his friend and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't like me very much that was a roller coaster week of emotion so i'm going to be straightforward and honest with this whole entire thing i i know ryan and tim and the whole all of them will get mad. And that old man, he might want to punch me when he sees me at Wisconsin, but that's okay. So they had a, they had a father, the old man of the crew, and he was an older gentleman. Dude, a rugged old fella. Farm guy, as tough as they could get for the age he was. He hunted every day. Logan said he offered to pack his bow, and then you can bleep this out. He's like, ain't no one packing my bow. <laughs> he didn't want anybody to do anything to help him because he didn't want to be a hindrance because his grandson was hunting, his son, and we were getting on to elk. We were supposed to swap back and forth 
that way we could give the older gentleman a quality hunt without running him ragged day in and day out well the old guy didn't like me <laughs> i don't know i said something i don't know he told you to leave that effing alcohol at home yeah <laughs> yeah so i told him at orientation that is why he didn't like me i told him we do the calling please do not whip out your hoochie mama start going to town on that thing in the middle of a calling session and then wonder why the elk shut up or why something didn't go on we're trying to call the elk through you and when you draw attention to yourself it's kind of hard to draw a bow back or go down a million rabbit holes of why that's a terrible (laughs) idea just trust me it is it is i'm telling why the old guy doesn't like me that way i'm covering myself because it hurt my feelings I told him don't bring the daggum elk calls, and elk walked down to him when he was by himself and he didn't have no elk call. He said he'd have probably scared it off anyways, but it'd have been nice, and I'm an idiot for telling him not to bring a call. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So Ryan, his son, and I, we laughed about this all week. <laughs> we get Tim and... We had Tim and Carter on Monday. Tim and Carter on Monday. And I'm like all excited. First day guiding back out of the lodge. I'm at one of my favorite hunting spots. Anybody that's listening to these podcasts know that I get notes. Oh uh, my goodness. We got to go into this. Oh, you got another one of them? Someone took some time Somebody's on this. Somebody's a woods craftsman in Trout Creek. <laughs> Dagum artist. I don't want to start wars. Some people. First are. podcast is up for blood. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> We're back. The fact that but someone spent an hour and took a chainsaw and cut the whole back of a tree flat. And then wrote with charcoal, Joshy, Squashy, and put two smiley faces on each end of it. Dude, that made me feel good. It's flattering that someone would take the time to do that. Turned around to the boys. Did your buddy leave that? Yeah, your buddy. I was like, yeah, yeah, you can say that. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to thank him. Um, Seriously, we would have never stuck that big bull if you wouldn't lit a fire in my ass. Tim was... First shooter that day. Yep, Carter wanted Tim to shoot because he said he had Carter had longer to hunt than he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We spotted a bull in there, and it was a good one. Pretty confident it was a bull that we had been after for a couple years. He disappears in after archery season every year, ghosts us. Well, we finally got a run on him in archery season, and he's in a good spot. Daggum good spot to kill. Stromboli, you chime in any time here. We get around. I got it marked on Onyx. We're within 300 yards. We haven't said a word to this elk. All we did is get in position. Finally, we get everybody ready, and there's a couple trails where the bull could maybe skirt up. It's like a washboard, and the bull could come up the ravine and try to get above us and hit our wind. So I set Carter way out in left field, and he's but it. He was a good 150 yards above us probably. So 300 yards, I do a very soft calling setup just trying to get a response because i wasn't 100 percent. we had to move before the before we actually confirmed that they laid down uh so i was trying to get the bull to say something and i figured i was close enough that if he didn't respond he might come in soft or whatever right then and there nothing paul came <laughs> crickets you could have heard crickets so we just did this massive stalk around here and now everybody's looking at me like now what I was like, all right, guys, we're going to have to drop <laughs> farther down in this canyon. And we start dropping down in. I get Matilda out because I'm I'm feeling we're close to these. Explain who Matilda is. Matilda is my decoy. <laughs> Matilda was given to me by a couple clients, Navy guys. Um, I made fun of him for packing that decoy, and we used no, it. No, they de- work. It saved our rent that week and made me a believer. 
he give it to me, the rememberer, and I named her Matilda, and she's been... <laughs> she still works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got Matilda out. We're dropping down in, and I mean... Single file, four of us. Yeah, well, I drop... So there is four of us, because I have our apprentice. He's with us, and he kind of... He's with, he's with the guy that we're moving, and Logan kind of... He's been around me enough. We kind of know sign language of how we need to move through the woods, and if I start going sporadic and waving like I have... <laughs> some kind of Tourette syndrome that he understands what I'm wanting him to do. <laughs> All right, we'll be editing that part out. Sorry. Yeah. Logan might somehow be able to figure out what I'm trying to make the client do above me. No, I lost what I was going to say. Target. Oh, We're no. You're dropping in, Logan. Yeah, no, when we drop down, yeah. yeah. So I gapped us out. Um, it sounds terrible when you have a group of dudes and everybody's right on top of each other hiking down through there. Elk do not sound like that when they're dropping through the woods. So I spread everybody else. Logan and Carter back 40 yards just so they can see us. And if I get to a thick spot, I slow down enough that they can keep us in sight. I tell him if we get too separated, just give out a cow call and I'll cow call back to you. Just talk to each other's dropping in. Yeah. And it sounds super realistic. Well, Mm -hmm. we didn't have to do any calling. I looked down through the woods and I could see rack coming up through. (laughs) And I could see top tines. And I was like, there's your bull. I go back to the left, and all of a sudden he sees this bull come up through. Yeah, I let out a little bugle like I was a raghorn that had a couple cows above him. And then when we started dropping down in there, he knows that I could smell his thermals rising up out of there because that's what elk do. Yeah. And I dropped right down on him, and he was trying to squirt up to get above us and push us down in, going to fight us. It worked mm-hmm. a charm, honestly. It was a daggum stud, too. Yeah, yeah. We stopped him. Bow goes off. The bull was quartering to us. Quartering is terrible. If you have quartering on elk, that honestly, they never work out. If they do, congratulations if it worked for somebody. But most of the time, it ends up in lots of tracking. Nature of the beast. Yeah, uh, you just got to find that spot. Yeah, I mean. It, quartering on. And we kept going over how this thing's going to be a f- Chinese fire drill. As we drop on this bedding area and oh, we keep yeah. getting closer and closer to closer, they're running out of real estate where they can be at. So we shoot the bull, and he runs right back down and lays down with his cows. We wait three and a half hours, and we walk down and blow everybody up out of their beds, including him. We thought we killed him. What did we find? Four inches of arrow with fletching? Yeah. And it had blood on it? The client's describing this to you. And Aaron, he was telling about his last story. He gets to, got to see all this. You never get to see anything. I didn't get to see doodly squat. So no. you're you're trying to put the pieces of no, the No, I puzzle. didn't see the hit. I just seen the bull come in. I just seen tines. That's all I saw. You try to put the pieces of the puzzle together mm-hmm. because the guy's rattle. Um, he doesn't exactly know where he shot. You just never know until you get up on him. This bull was shot, I'm um, 100%, <clears throat> right in front of the his right shoulder where the shoulder meets the neck. And it went back and hit the front of the shoulder on the opposite side because it backed a knockout. Those knocks never back out unless they hit something hard mm-hmm. and I could hear that crack. Would have been his inside of his left shoulder. Short story, we go back in the next day and we hike our guts out. My yeah. legs cramped were like jello by two o'clock. It was some of the gnarliest hiking we'd done all fall, honestly. Um, and just checking places off, making sure you weren't laying in any holes. Go to bed at night, sleeping better, knowing that you at least have the satisfaction of looking everywhere instead of leaving certain places out where you could have been. But we just you weren't. Spent- Two days looking for the bull, right? Yeah, shot him on Monday afternoon, looked till eight thirty, nine o'clock that night, and then all day Tuesday. Uh, we couldn't come up with anything. I don't know. That story is to be concluded. Then went- Thursday we went hard again. 
Got yep. back on elk again. Same kind of deal though. Morning hunting, it, good for you if you can make it happen. But I do most everything happens in their bedrooms. Uh, that's where the elk spends majority of its time. Mm-hmm. And trying to catch it in that transit's like trying to beat a triathlon at their own game, and it's dang near impossible. So go let them suckers lay down and make a strategic plan to get into there you have until the thermals change and if you plan it right you can be on the same elevation as this elk and as the thermals start to change you can have round one with the thermals climbing and then as the thermals change in the evening now you can have round two from below them and i personally i think the bulls love to come down better than they like to go up because they they hold the pushing ground then a little bit better too I rolled the dice and I was like, all right, I'm going to hug the one side coming down and I'm going to bank on them being where they always are. And if I'm wrong, I won't look like a total idiot and I can just drift on back down off the right side (laughs) and said that I meant to do that. The calling that works the best is hiking through the woods like elk. (laughs) Yep, we spaced out 50, 60 yards. Make noise at the right times. To give us two bedroom bugles because he could hear us breaking brush coming to him. He could hear us breaking brush. He bugled once. And we looked, Josh and I looked at each other to... What does a bedroom bugle sound like? <laughs> Just that kind of half. Yeah. They don't put any effort into it. Yeah, moany. Right Just there a, it is. Ooh. Hey, gals. I'm over here. And as we were standing there trying to decide if that's what it was again or not, because it was kind of windy that day, and Josh and I were kind of trying to figure it out or not, as we were walking around still trying to get up to each other, he did it again because he could hear us walking still. And he was only, what, 250 yards from us in his bed? Yep. There was only some thick alders and a little rock slide that he had to come around, and it was game time. I trapped him so he couldn't use the rock slide to flank us. There's two big game trails that come around there, and I put the shooter right in the middle, so if he went on either game trail, he was dead meat. I just started cow calling and got him very interested. We, we started a conversation. I would, like a receptive cow coming to him. I started running around up on the side bank with Tim. Yeah, he thought it was his daggum lucky day that a group (laughs) of cows were just miraculously walked down to him while he was in his bedroom. Seven minutes is all it took. He kind of held up the last little bit and... Like the 100-yard mark there. I give him a bull. I introduced the bull to the scene and game over from that point. Dude, he come in like on a string, 17 yards bow goes off ryan's a daggum killer i could tell from the time i met him shot the bull back a little bit gets another shot off i don't even know that the first shot went off let alone the second i figured a shot went off the second time because how the bull whirled and went down i couldn't see him but i could hear him crashing down through there and just the way he left i knew he was spooked something something happened so I start raising all kinds of cane on the bugle tube. I don't even know what all kind of noises you make at that point in time. It's <laughs> just, just noise. elk noises. Elk noise. Excitement noises yeah. through the tube. Dude, and he was rolling through a rock slide, and it sounded like a, you rolled a vehicle off the mountain. Oh, it was. And I was like, yeah, that's a death run down over there. Run back over to Ryan, and uh, I was like, you shoot? And he's like, he gives me the motion, shot twice. I was like, yes, shot twice. So I was like, did you hit him both times? He's like, the first time I definitely hit him, but back a little bit. Um, not gonna lie, it's back. But the second one, I think I hit him in the neck, and I'm like, dude, two arrows in him. I was like, mm-hmm. we're golden. We wait three and a half hours again. His buddy notices his second shot, the treetops, like 250 yards, and we could see a green knock. Yeah, luminock. Yeah, he gets my attention, and I look down through there, and I was like, that's the arrow off his second shot. 
So now we knew that, that didn't go through an elk. That didn't go through an elk. So now we knew that he only had one in him. I don't ever get very excited after a bull shot. Been doing this for long enough that we've only got half of it done. Most of the time, it ends in us following a blood trail to tracking to nothing to exerting all efforts to recoup an animal. And it just doesn't happen. Until so. you see him laying there dead, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Until you until the client's got his hands on his horns, it's not. We shot him at like two something. We never got down to the arrow until like almost six, and the arrow was only 17 yards below us, and we didn't even check the arrow until then. I wouldn't let anybody even break one stick below us. We walk down 17 yards, and I find nothing but gut on that arrow. Yeah. Turn around and hike back to the top of the mountain and drop back off. I was nervous that I didn't want to push him. I actually, instead of us going and looking for that bull first thing in the morning, it was pouring down rain. Which never good. You could ask for for looking for a wounded animal. Never good. Hate it. Yeah, and we didn't think the bull was shot, killed. We recovered this bull. I don't know how. <laughs> it was really a godsend that it was <laughs> raining the whole next day, and you guys didn't go in, you didn't push him, and he just no. stayed bedded down that whole next day and stiffened up. Yeah, and that bull, he only had a little. He only had a couple hundred yards to go, and he would have been in a brush field that was like we'd have never found so him. thick. We would have never found him. We found this bull. We found him 190 yards from where we'd shot him. Yep. A bear had actually got in, got on him. We act, worked the bull up. We tried to do as much due diligence to the animal. I mean, salvage yeah, as much as we can. And taking something's life, it's sacred. I don't. This is how we make our living. They mean a lot to me. It was a bittersweet. Them boys still got to go home with the bull, but they definitely got to see the highs of highs and the lows of lows of a week of elk hunting out here. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yep. They're coming back for two weeks. In 2025. Yep. They love to suffer. Yeah, them boys definitely endured the suck and enjoyed it, I think. Yeah. The one kid even had, the poor kid had the wrong boots on on Monday, and he couldn't keep his feet underneath him. Most people, that'll do them in for the week, but... Steel-toed wolverines. Yeah, yeah, he had steel-toed boots on, and we're side-hilling some of the nastiest stuff possible. Don't do that. No steel-toe. He was enough of a man where he just sucked it up and put some moleskin on and found some different boots for the rest of the week and grinded it out but farm boys from wisconsin tough man please just keep on coming <laughs> i want to end the uh, every show from now on with us all singing happy trails together <laughs> shut up we are not doing that hey, it'll be fun guys Good happy goes. trails to you peace we're out <laughs>